What happens in Korea doesn't stay in Korea. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Everyone focuses on winter snowpack for the health of the Colorado River system that provides water to tens of millions of people. But what happens in the summer matters a lot, too. Rainfall that comes during the monsoon season supplies nearly 20% of the basin's water and produces about 10% of its annual stream flow. Most of that is generated primarily primarily in the higher elevations of the upper basin. Rosemary Carroll, a scientist with the Desert Research Institute, studied how important monsoon storms were after noticing how weak the season was two years ago. Monsoon describes a weather pattern, not one event, that brings numerous thunderstorms over a period of weeks or months. Carroll found that in cool years with adequate snow, the monsoon rains generated more stream flow, but during warmer years with less snowpack, dry soils acted like a sponge, soaking up moisture, and less monsoon runoff made it into streams. So if climate change brings less snow, the implication is that the important contribution of the rains, even in a more normal monsoon season, will not be enough to mitigate the shortfall. More people are using face coverings to stop the spread of COVID-19, which is a good thing, but it also means a lot of masks are ending up in landfills. According to new research from Australia, one solution to the scourge could be to turn the masks into roads. Roads are made of several layers, which need to be both strong and flexible to withstand the weight of heavy vehicles and to prevent cracking. They can be built more sustainably by using recycled concrete debris from demolished buildings, parking lots, or sidewalks, materials that would otherwise end up in landfills. Using concrete rubble for road construction is not new, but mixing in shredded face masks is. And not only does it solve two waste problems, the researchers say you get a better road. Compared to a sample road section made without the masks, the researchers found that their mixture of 1% mass to 99% recycled concrete was stronger, more flexible, and water resistant. While the study involved clean surgical face masks, as part of their research, they did find a way to decontaminate used ones by spraying them with anti antiseptic and then microwaving them for a minute. By their calculations, it would take three million masks to create a stretch of road one kilometer long. Given that nearly seven billion disposable face masks are used globally every day, finding novel ways to repurpose them puts us on the road to sustainability. Last September, wildfires raged in Washington, Oregon, California, and other parts of the West, burning millions of acres and blanketing communities with thick smoke. At the same time, hurricane-force winds in Utah caused one death and widespread damage. Now, there's evidence that those devastating events in the U.S. were linked to three destructive typhoons that hit the Korean Peninsula within two weeks of each other. Scientists from Utah State University explained that each Korean storm contained enough energy to unsettle the jet stream, creating an atmospheric wave train that further amplified the likelihood of strong winds across western North America. The wave trains happen when typhoons track far enough north to reach the jet stream, and many researchers believe warming seas due to climate change might be a factor in typhoons reaching those higher latitudes. As extreme weather increases in one part of the world, it might not be surprising to see consequences in other regions. How is it that baby fish in the vast oceans find food, avoid predators, navigate currents, and make it to adulthood? 
It's been a mystery until now. Researchers from the University of Hawaii and NOAA discovered that a diverse array of marine baby animals find refuge in so-called surface slicks. Surface slicks are meandering lines of smooth, calm water formed by the convergence of ocean currents, tides, and variations in the seafloor. The slicks provide a rich haven for baby fish and invertebrates with relatively large amounts of zooplankton for the juveniles to eat. They also create foraging hotspots for predators. The scientists found a mix of more than 100 species, including coral reef fish, mahi-mahi, as well as crabs, squid, and shrimp, all living in the same habitat just below the surface. Hawaiians have long recognized the importance of the slicks and have traditional songs one of which describes them as the peaceful sea of Kona. And finally, oh, hold on, I'm getting an email from my spinach. That's conceivably what a scientist at MIT might say about their plant nanobionics research. Engineers there have turned spinach plants into lab partners who will send an email when they detect toxic materials in groundwater. When they started their research in 2016, they put nanosensors on spinach leaves to allow them to detect chemical compounds used in landmines and other explosives. When one of these chemicals is taken up by the plant from groundwater, carbon nanotubes embedded in the leaves emit a fluorescent signal that can be read by a small computer with an infrared camera that sends a message to the scientists. In the team's latest research, they used sensors to monitor arsenic, a toxic heavy metal often found in rice-growing regions. Because plants through their extensive root network can detect small changes in soil and groundwater, they know long before we do when there's going to be a drought or if pests are in the area. Plants are sending out information all the time, and with nanotechnology, now we can know what they have to say about their environment, so long as it doesn't go to spam. That's it for this week in water. Up, oh, gotta go.